welcome to everyone, and I see some guests here today, and we are thrilled to have you with us in this Labor Day weekend. Pray that the presence of God has touched you already. We'll continue. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part of this service this morning. Pray that you are blessed by it wherever you are. Amen. Would you stand? I want to take you to Genesis chapter number 7. And as has been the pattern recently, I will be reading a, several verses as we begin this morning. Genesis 7 and verse number 12. This is the story of Noah and the ark and just tell you since I've already told you about it the the inspiration from the for this message this morning came from something that was actually said Friday night so Genesis 7 verse number 12 and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights in the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. I really think God could have left a few things off that ark. But anyway, and they went in unto Noah into the ark Two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. That was just two and two of the clean animals. I mean the unclean, sorry. It was more than that of what was considered clean animals. And they that went in went and they that went in went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. That's an interesting verse. And the flood was forty days upon the earth. And the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of the fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth, and a hundred and fifty on upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. And then I want you to listen to just the first couple of words of verse one of chapter eight. And God remembered Noah and God remembered Noah the new century version says that this way 
not the news. Never mind. I jumped ahead of myself there. God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. God, thank you for your presence that we have felt in this place, what we have experienced. Thank you for already touching hearts and lives here today. I pray now that you would minister through your word, that you would speak to us today, that we would have ears to hear what you would say to us, hearts that are open to receive what you want to do and say in our lives today. Father, I trust you today. I depend upon you for your anointing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm not sure I've ever really thought before how long they were actually on the ark. I've always thought in the terms of 40 days and 40 nights of the rain and then 120 days the Bible talks about. And, and I guess that's the period of time I sort of imagine, so that's kind of a several-month thing. But they were actually on the ark, on the ark, around a year. It was said Friday night by... Sandy Patty, this was, this was the first quarantine. <laughs> and to be honest, it was a much more challenging quarantine than we had. Because while we all struggled at times with feelings of isolation from others, even if we were in a home of people, just the relationships and connections we have outside of our homes, we, we could still talk on the phone, we could still text and now with technology, you can FaceTime or Zoom calls and see each other and talk. But not only were they isolated from everyone else, everyone else was being destroyed. And so while I'm sure there was an element of thankfulness that they were on the ark being spared from the judgment that was being poured out on the earth. I'm also pretty sure there was a part of them that was very troubled and it was a traumatic experience and they've got family members and loved ones and friends who are out there in that flood being destroyed. And I've read to you a description of things that went on. The Bible tells us that up until this point in time, what we know and take for granted as rain was not a thing yet. The Bible talks about, I believe it's in the book of Genesis, that, that it, initially the earth was watered basically by the dew of the ground. And so all of this was such a new experience. All of this was, was things and on so many levels that they had never experienced before. They get in the ark, God shuts the door, and they were in there a few days before it actually began to rain, but then it begins to rain, and the Bible says the fountains of the deep begin to open up, and the ark begins to lift up, and, and now begins to float, and, and I am pretty sure that in the initial stages, there was probably a crowd of people gathered around the outside of that ark. They didn't believe Noah 
his hundred years of preaching about what was going to happen. But now that the rain began to fall, they became believers. Unfortunately, it was just a little too late. It's not the message this morning, but somebody needs to know, you better not take for granted that when you decide to get around to giving your life to God, that the opportunity is still going to be there. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You don't know what this afternoon holds. You don't know what tomorrow, you don't know what next week holds. This may be the last opportunity that you have to experience salvation. Well, that's not very fair. Oh, yes, it is. The fact that it may be the last one and he gave you this opportunity is mercy and grace. No, the Bible doesn't say it, but it just seems to be a natural thing to expect that they were beating on the doors or the door. And again, that had to be very troubling for those inside the ark, no doubt wishing somehow they could save those outside, but it was too late. They go through this storm, they watch as the waters rise and as as humans and animals and the earth becomes completely submerged in water. But in the midst of all of that, God remembered Noah. Can I tell somebody today, you may feel like in some ways you're on an ark and there's also all kinds of chaos and turmoil and confusion that's going on around you. But I've come to tell somebody today, don't let your circumstances cause you to think that God doesn't know where you are. Don't let your circumstances cause you to feel like God has forsaken you and abandoned you. They may have been on that ark all by themselves, but God... God remembered Noah. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it tells us that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. One of the lies the enemy likes to use on us most often is God has forsaken you. God has abandoned you. God doesn't know where you are anymore. But I've come to tell somebody today, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. He knows exactly where you are. And while your world may seem like it's out of control, it's not out of control because He is is not, on, not only does he know where you are, but he is with you where you are. God remembered. You know, there's a couple of ways in which you can use the word remember. Sometimes you use that in the context of forgetfulness or having forgot something. This morning I experienced it. Nathaniel texted me and asked me to bring something to the church from his room and I got the text and, and a few moments later I forgot all about it and I was doing something and all of a sudden I remembered. So I quickly went and got it. Hey, I got, I, y'all know what a life, some of y'all probably don't know what a life hack is. Younger folks do. So I'm going to give you all a life hack. 
If you ever need to not forget something, like even out of the refrigerator, take your car key, put it in the fridge by what you're supposed to remember. Now, I know for some of you, you'll then forget the key. But that's because you're just too old. The rest of us, I will tell you from personal experience, that works. Now, if you're a guy and the key goes in your pocket, you know, it's a little bit cold, but that's okay. You don't get in trouble with anybody for forgetting something. But this this God, remember, it wasn't that God was up in heaven doing his thing, and then all of a sudden, he just, you know, the ark caught his attention. Oh, my goodness, Noah. It wasn't God remembered in the context of he forgot. It was God remembered in the context of he had not forgotten. That in spite of everything that was going on, God had not forgotten Noah. I've said it before and let me say it again. What we have been through in the last year and a half, if you think that's the worst humanity has ever been through, you missed history. It may be the most challenging thing most of us have been through in our lifetime, but don't put the last year and a half at the top of the list with difficulties humanity has been through. It is nowhere near the top. But it has been difficult, and our world has been turned upside down, and since early last year, there are so many things that are not the same anymore. So many things have been impacted and, and some of you have discovered, I've discovered in several ways over the last several months, things that have been impacted by COVID in the last year. But we went through COVID, then we went through some fresh, new, racial, maybe not new, but we went through a, a, a racial challenge and then we went through the whole political thing in, in the fall. And, and, and I mean, it's just been a war, it's been a year of chaos and turmoil and confusion but somebody needs to know today that God has not forgotten you God knows exactly where you are again he promised I will never leave you and I will never forsake you I've used this before but several years ago sitting in brother Libby's office brother Ron Libby brother Martin Libby's grandfather he said, Where, where's God? And he said, I'll, I'll tell you where God is. He's right here. See if we got any honest, truthful folks here this morning. Anybody ever wondered where God was? All you spiritual folks that say you didn't, you're lying. Because even Jesus said, even Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you for... Let me tell you something. If Jesus himself said that, at some point you've at least thought it. Where are you, God? But can I tell somebody today where God is? Because he can't move. Oh, in one sense, he can move. But in another sense, he can't... You ever been in a... You ever gotten in an elevator that was so crowded you couldn't move? Yeah, 
God has got you surrounded. Next time you start down that rabbit trail of where's God and the devil's trying to tell you God's forsaken you, just take your finger and put it right on your nose and say, nope, he's right here because he can't leave me. He won't leave me. He fills all space. He is everywhere. God remembered Listen to what the scripture says in Isaiah 49 and verse number 14. But Zion, Zion can be representative of the church, symbolic of the church. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. I think we felt that way a little bit this last year at times. God, you, you've forgotten all about us. I know there's some times, especially when I walked into this sanctuary and we were live streaming, but no one was here but the worship team. It was like, God, do you know where we are? That's what Zion was saying. God, have you forsaken us? Do you, do, have you forgotten about us? And then the Lord responds and says this. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee? And here's one reason why he won't forget you. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. The Good News translation says verse 16 this way. Jerusalem, I can never forget you. I can never forget you. And just in case you're worried about me forgetting you, let me give you one reason why I won't. I have written your name on the palms of my hands. I know this isn't really a, I don't think young folks do this very much. Maybe they do, but I, I've, I've seen some older folk do this. Anybody ever needed a phone number? Yeah, some of y'all know where I'm going. And you got a pen? And where'd you write the number? Right on the palm. Now, I was told you get poisoning from ink and lead pencils, but... We write it right on our hands. You write it in the palm of your hand. Because you don't have to worry about misplacing a piece of paper. And, and, and you don't have to worry about memory. All you got to do is look down. God says, I have written you. I got you written on the palm. I can't, I, not only will I not forget you, I can't forget you. I've done everything necessary to remind me of you, of who you are, of where you are, of what you're going through. Last, last Sunday, I, 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 I every, every, every part of the Bible is important. There's no one part of scripture that's more important than another part. But that being understood, many of us have some favorite verses that we go to that encourage us, that help us. And so as long as we remember all of it's important, I think it's okay to have a few of them that are your favorites. And one of my favorites is Jeremiah chapter 29 and, and verse number 11. I, In fact, last Sunday morning, in the course of preaching in Worcester, Massachusetts, I referenced this verse. But that afternoon, 
I was reading through our small group reports, and I was reading through Brother Zach and Sister Martina Mislanik's report. And in her report, she shared something that she had shared in her small group. And she said, basically, most people don't really pay attention to the context of that verse. And I thought, hmm, you're right. I'm one of those people. So I got my phone out at that point and read those verses. And listen to the context. So here's the verse. Let me just give you the verse. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a what? An expected end. But listen to the context of that promise. Verse number four, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and your, give your daughters to husbands that they may, they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished and seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your divinity that be in the midst of you deceive you neither hearken to your neither hearken to your dreams which you caught which you cause to be dreamed for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name I have not sent them saith the Lord for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. So when he says to them, I know what I think about you. I know my thoughts. I like to use my imagination when I read things in the Bible. I do my best to make sure it doesn't conflict, but... When, when I read things like this, I just, I just kind of imagine. And you know what? When I read this verse, I usually, I usually imagine that God was kind of like, you know, don't you tell me what I think about you. I think that's what God, don't tell me what I think. I've had this problem all of my life, I guess maybe not all of my life, but for years now, and unfortunately I got a revelation a while ago that I didn't really like, but I'm a very quiet person. If you're a guest today, you probably are like, what? Sure. But I am. Outside of a pulpit, I don't usually talk unless I really have to. If you come sit down in my office for a counseling appointment, you'll probably also think, yeah, you're quiet, Sure. Get me in a, just a normal setting and you'll find out. And, and for years I've gotten upset with the fact that people will say what they assume I'm thinking and it's not what I'm thinking. 
And I used to get really angered by that until I was probably a year or two ago. Now, all of a sudden, I realize it's not their fault. They don't know what you're thinking. You haven't told them what you're thinking. There's a little bit of marriage counseling right there. I think that's what God's saying. Don't tell me what I think about you. Because usually we think what God thinks about us is negative. Come on, be honest with me. Oh, I know some of you, oh, God loves God. Yeah, no, He does. But most of us, every now and then, we're like, you know, I, God probably is not very happy with me right now. He would probably like to just squash me. He says, I know what I think about you. I've got thoughts of peace, not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. So, again, in the context, they're in bondage. They're in slavery in a foreign place. And God is saying, I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I I know that things are out of your control. I, I know you're dealing with hardship and adversity. But I want you to also know that in spite of where you are, I have an expected outcome for you. And so if His thoughts about me are thoughts of peace, that means His outcome for me is a good outcome. I know where you are. I I haven't expected in that word expected. I, I discovered this a couple of years ago now, but that word expected is an interesting word in the Hebrew because one of the definitions of that word is a cord. A cord. So to me, the meaning of that is God is saying, I have a, I got a rope wrapped around you. And I am pulled, not against your will, because you got to be surrendered. But if you're surrendered to His will, I am pulling you. No matter what's going on around you, I am pulling you to an expected end. I, I, I went about the same time I discovered the meaning of that word. I came across a video on Facebook and the video was essentially a very large boat, maybe even a ship, but a very large boat. And, and, and it was out of the back of the boat and, and the video was showing waves that were the biggest waves I've ever seen. But then all of a sudden what I noticed was, Off of the back of that boat was a cable. And out on little little ways away, on top of some of those massive waves, was a small boat that wasn't built for that kind of weather. Mm. I need a little help this morning. It wasn't built to weather that kind of storm. But it had gotten, it had a cord that connected to it. 
And the boat itself might not have been able to manage the storm, but it was being pulled to an expected end. Can I tell you, there may be some waves that are tossing in our world and in your life personally. There may be some winds blowing that you weren't built by yourself to be able to overcome, but there is a cord that God wants to attach to you that says, I've got an outcome for you. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know what you're going through, but I have a determined end. Did anybody pull into this parking lot this morning? I I said this last Sunday morning preaching in Worcester and it messed me up because a guy raised his hand. So I'm now better prepared than I was. Is there anybody here this morning that pulled up in this parking lot today and looked around and said, how did I get here? What am I doing here? I asked that question and the guy raised his hand. Like, well, look at God. But everybody else didn't raise their hand. Because everybody else got in the car that morning with an expected end. Uh, You plug in a destination in your GPS, assuming you've got the right address... Well, I've been living all kinds of stuff this week that fits. We had a date night Friday night. Hallelujah. Wasn't no kids at that concert. Wasn't just. We were in D.C. and took advantage of the time there. And, 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 and we had booked a place to stay Friday night. And I tapped the ad. And we're, we're heading there. And I'm like, this is. There's either some bad advertising or this isn't right. Because this isn't the area I thought we were going to. Finally, when we got, you have arrived at your destination. I'm like, we are not staying there. (laughs) So once we got the right address, wouldn't you know? So every now and then it messes up a little bit. But most of the time, when you put the address in... Part of the reason, mm, (laughs) part of the reason you put the address in is because you don't know where you go. Oh, my, my, my. I don't like, I don't like services, messages like this because the next one's probably going to be as flat as can be. But I'm going to enjoy this one. You put the address in because you don't know where you're going. And therefore, it doesn't matter if it's unfamiliar surroundings. If you follow the directions, it's going to get you to the right place. I know you don't know exactly how to get to where you're going. But let me tell you about a GPS that never fails. That there is an expected... is an expected in. I know you look at where you are and think, does God know where I, this is not what I, it's okay. Stick with the directions. Stay the course. 
I know what I think about you. You say, well, brother, right, preacher, whoever, whatever you want to call me, you don't know me. You don't know the mistakes I've made. Well, let me tell you, just, just, just go read your Bible a little bit. I, I just read this Thursday night in the, in the, in the class I was teaching. It's, I think it's Judges chapter two, if I'm not mistaken. But throughout that chapter, it talks about the children of Israel who would follow God and then they would go after other gods. Then they'd follow God for a while and then they'd go after other gods. And yet time after time after time, he reached for them. He brought them back. He didn't abandon them. He didn't forsake them. He didn't disown them. So I tell you today, if God would do that for them then, most of you here today, Most of you here today are not where you are in a difficult situation because you're just hard-headed and rebellious. A couple of you may be. But a lot of you are where you are because life, circumstances have just thrown you off course. It wasn't an intentional rejection of God. But if he would go after those that willingly, knowingly forsook him, he'll come after you. He'll come where you are. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He's always going to be there. Listen to what Job says in chapter 23, verse 1. Job, who is in the midst of the one of the worst trials any human being has ever had. Job says in verse number 2, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Anybody feel that way today? Anybody ever felt that way? Oh, God, if I could just find you. If I could just find you, God. Why is it that Job felt like he needed to find God? Because of the circumstances he was in. Because of what he was going through. He interpreted that as meaning God had forsaken him. So he cries out, oh, if I could just find him. And then go down to verse number 8. He says, behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. How terrible is that? But then Job says this. He knows the way that I take. I'm looking all over trying to find God. And everywhere I go, I can't find Him. Where I see Him working, He hides Himself from me. But even though I can't find Him... The one thing I know is this. He hadn't lost me. He knows exactly where I am. There's a term that gets used in Christianity. People say, well, I found God. You never found God. God's never been lost. 
People get saved. Go tell their family, friend. Oh, I found God. No, 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 no. No, you didn't find God. God found you. But actually, God didn't find you because you weren't even ever lost to God. No matter where you were. No matter what you were doing. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. When God gets through doing what he's doing, there is an expected end. Anybody can testify here today that when you found God, I know what I just said, but it's while we talk. That when you found God, it didn't feel like God knew where you were. Most people, when they get saved, they are not, their life is not absolutely perfect and wonderful. Health is good, family's good, fine. No, most people, when they get saved, they've hit rock bottom. There's an old song that says, when you've tried everything and everything has failed, try Jesus. What a dumb song. We've sung it, I've sung it before. What in the world? When you've tried everything and everything's failed. When you tried drugs and when you tried alcohol, when you tried sleeping around, when you tried all that and it didn't work out. What? No. But you know what? That's how many of us have done it and how many are doing it. They're trying everything, finding out nothing works. I got to tell you, if when we were dating, if my wife would have looked at me across the table out on a date and said, well, I tried all the other guys. I don't mean in a whatever way. Some of y'all need watching too much TV. You know, I've seen if I like the other guys or not. I just, you know, but... Can you imagine that? Some cute little good Josh. And you're all that's left. If she would have said that to me, I'd have been like, check, please. Split the bill. Don't pick me because you ain't got no other options. I want you to pick me because you looked around and decided I was, I wasn't just the only option. I was the best option. Aren't you glad God's not like us? I'm just going to tell you, if I was God, you'd be in trouble. Because when you finally came to me and said, well, God, I tried everything else, but nothing else worked. I'm going to try you now. I've been like, sorry. You should have tried me first. But oh, thank God. It may be a dumb song, but when you tried everything... And everything has failed. Try Jesus. 
because when he has tried you and brings you forth, it's going to be a good end. I just, I just forgive my honesty. I needed this. I got to watching this preacher a couple days ago. I mean, he was tearing it up, and I'm like, man, I need to quit. But y'all make me feel a little bit better this morning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on at least another week. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've already read this, but let me read it again as I close. Hebrews 13:5 says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness." It's kind of interesting. I don't know if I've ever backed the context. I'm not sure I've ever fully remembered the context of the the rest of this verse that I've already quoted. But be con- and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, "I will never leave you. I will never forsake you." So watch this. Because of that, we may boldly say. We'll boldly say what the psalmist said. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. Because he said he would never leave me and would never forsake me. I don't have to fear anything that's going on around me. I got to, you just have to bear it with me. I got to read you at least the amplified version here. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, have said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I'm not, I'm not repeating, I'm reading, I'm reading. I know sometimes I repeat, but right now I'm just reading, okay? I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsaken, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? It doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I see around me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. And that's all I need to not be afraid. He goes before me. He goes behind me. He's beside me. I will not fear. I will not fear. Do you know what? One of the scarcest commodities in our world right now is 
It's not energy. It's not, it's not toilet paper. It's not groceries. Man, I, I, I don't know. Every, everything. Some of y'all know this, but if you don't, I like, I like, I, I like coffee my way. My coffee my way. That's Folgers classic, period, end of discussion, that's it. Don't need all your AeroPress junk and Chemex and Pete's and Starbucks and blue. Y'all could have all that nasty, expensive stuff. It's a holiday. Y'all in a hurry? Good, because I'm not. Brother McGurk was, Brother Mike McGurk was telling them on Friday night at the uh, at the, the school of Tyrannus campus ministry training said, you know, tomorrow, if you don't register by midnight tonight, I think it is, it's $10. If you don't do that tomorrow, it's $15. And used to, you go, Psh, what's five bucks? Nowadays, that's your daily cup of coffee. That speaks some people's language. So, so I, I like it. I like it my way. And I mean, I, I'm just, I know, go ahead. And I'm, I, I am, my name is David. I'm addicted to caffeine. I don't need you to judge me till I know I am. So when I travel, because I like my coffee my way, I get me a bottle of Coke every morning to get my caffeine so I don't get a headache. And, and I don't like, dear God, don't ever give me powdered, powdered cream. Oh, what in the world is that? And I really don't want half and half. And I don't want heavy whipping cream. I really want table or light cream. Why in the world they can't keep that on the shelf? I don't know. I tried three or four stores the other day. But they didn't even have heavy cream. Thank God the streak is alive. Why did I get on that rant? What did that have to do with him? Yes, thank you. Hey, that's my cousin. He usually comes through for me. The scarcest commodity resource is peace. Fear. Fear. I, I, try, I, I, know, I know there's some hot button topics and soon as you, you don't even have to touch them, just look at them. People lose their minds. I'm not, please hear me. I, I get there, there's some people in this room right now with masks on, and I fully respect that, and under these circumstances, I get that. But when you see somebody that's outside by themselves, no other human being within a hundred miles of them. You know what it is? It's fear. Let me tell you something. If we learned anything, if Christians learned anything from the last year, it ought to be that I don't need to fear. Well, some have died. And your point is, do you believe this book or not? Because Paul said for me to live is Christ. He didn't say to die is defeat. He said to die is gain. So if I get COVID and make it through, good. If I get COVID and I die, 
Oh, well, it just got me to my reward a little bit sooner because the Lord is with me. There is no reason to fear. Hallelujah. I have no reason to fear. Oh, is that what y'all about to sing? Oh, y'all try, y'all need help. Y'all need suggestions? I'll give you suggestions. I have no, somebody, boy, if, if, if somebody could leave today. I, I, I born and raised in Maryland. My parents came here in 1970 to start this church. So if you think I don't sound like a Marylander, my mother was raised in Mississippi. But I'm born and bred here. And, and, but one of the things I've always loved about Maryland was we don't get all that crazy weather that everybody else gets. That doesn't happen here. We just, you know, we get rain and snow, and, but that's it. Maryland, man, we don't worry about hurricanes. We don't worry about earthquakes. We don't worry about tornadoes in Maryland. Hmm. Several years ago, and there's others, and I know you're from California. I, I know you mock us, and, but it, it still was an earthquake. Knock stuff off shelves. We've had earthquakes. We've had hurricanes. We've had torn right down through West Street. White right down through West Street. And some of y'all probably don't know this. Let's bring it a little closer to home. Sister Myrna had the roof of her house damaged by that tornado. But I see her and a son. You see, he didn't say it won't impact you. But he said, you don't have to fear it. Psalm 90, if you don't know Psalm 91, every believer needs to know Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You read down there and it says, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That means if God decides that whatever's going on is not going to touch you, you don't have to be afraid. It's not going to touch you. And if God decides to let it touch you, you don't need to be afraid because God let it touch you. And everything God does and everything God allows works together for our good. Stand, if you would, please. God. God remembered Noah and God remembers you. Well, I'm not Noah. Yeah, well, God said he's no respecter of person. So if he didn't forget Noah, he ain't forgot you. If he didn't abandon Noah, he's not going to abandon you. 
He's got you written in the palm of his hand. Isn't it amazing the one who never forgets anything says, let me just, let me just show you, just to, just to prove to you. I'm going to absolutely make sure you know. I will not. You know, it's kind of like those of us married folks that wear a, a wedding ring. I don't, I don't need this to remind me to behave. I don't need this so that when I'm out in public, I won't, well, I better not look at any other ladies. I'm a married man. I, 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 we've been married 29 plus years. And, and, you know, you, you, you put something on and eyeglasses or something and you, you gotta get used to them. Times you see anybody, I don't have to answer this. You ever stuck your glasses up on your head and then you're looking all around for them? How about this? You ever had your glasses in your hand looking all around for them? I, I have a friend that did that. He says, I, 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 30 year, almost 30 years and I still find myself all day long my, my habit is I just with my thumb I'll spin my spin it I just I, subconsciously because that for me that's the reminder there is someone there is one person I know I can count on I'm not, we may not be physically in the same place, but I know I'm not alone. God didn't need to, I don't need this because I forget I'm married. God didn't need to write you on his hand because he was afraid he would forget. I think God's just kind of like, you know, yeah. Man, yeah, I, no, I haven't forgotten them. Boy, I, I got, there's some good things I think about them. And, and there's some good plans I have for them. Man, there's some great things I want to... I have an expected end. I want you to close your eyes, if you would, for a moment. And if nothing else, just out of respect for others around you. I, I feel like if it's just one person, there's somebody today that God wants you to know without a doubt. He remembers you. He knows where you are. Your circumstances may be telling you something different. Your, the difficulties you're going through may, be, may seem to be evidence contrary. The word of the Lord to you today is, I, I remember you. I know where you are. As eyes are closed, heads are bowed, if, if, if you are willing to acknowledge, preacher, pastor, you're, the Lord is talking to me today. I, I need this. I need to know this. I want to invite you right now just as a step of faith. And, and Would you step out of your seat and just, just make your way down to the front of this sanctuary and, and just, just stand there and lift your hands and just... Just, just tell the Lord that today. Father, I, I need to know today. God, I need to know today that 
I'm not alone. I need to know that you have not forgotten about me. I, I need to know that whatever I'm going through, you haven't forsaken me. Listen, if you're a guest this morning, we, we would obviously love to have you to be a part of us, become a member. But to, just, to, just to be clear, this invitation is not for you to come join a church right now. You may never come back another time. You may never come visit us again. That doesn't change the fact that God would like to touch you today and whatever you're going through right now to give you the peace and the confidence I have not forgotten you as eyes are closed and some folks are still making your mind up to respond can I get some help in this altar for those that have responded maybe maybe also there's somebody that's nearby you that maybe they're just not really comfortable coming down front but they need the spirit of the Lord to touch them right now and you can let God use you to minister to them. Come on, church, I need you to be sensitive. In the name of Jesus. He remembers you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. As Job said, He knows where you are. I know it may not feel like it, but He knows where you are. I realize your circumstances may be telling you something different than this, but I'm telling you according to His Word, He knows. He knows exactly where you are. He's got everything under control. Just because it feels like it's out of control doesn't mean it's out of His control. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving in this place right now. You need to either be receiving or be a conduit. Come on, one or the other. You need to be receiving what God has for you or you need to let God use you to minister to somebody else. You're not alone. You're not alone. Like Job, it may feel that way. Like Jesus on the cross, it may feel that way. But you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. He always guides me. Let him restore your soul right now. Come on, let his spirit restore you right now. Let his spirit refresh you and renew you. Let his spirit affirm to you right now. He's with you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't abandoned you.